Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet. The greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is uh, America. CL here live with you today on the CL Bryant Show. It is a great day in the USA, and glad that I could be with you, and glad that you could come along with me uh, today as we talk about uh, the various issues that uh, we may have thought of to talk about uh, on other programs, or uh, maybe some things that you're not hearing in the mainstream media. That's where you will hear them here on the C.L. Bryant Show, broadcasting over Red State, Red State Talk Radio, the number one talk platform in the nation. And I want to uh, thank them for uh, being our flagship station. And then we have the terrestrials uh, throughout the country who uh, replay uh, the show and uh, want to thank Loving Liberty, Loving Liberty for having us in their family as well. And folks, if you're walking down through Times Square, look up above. Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah, look up above Ripley's Believe It or Not. And the Red State Talk billboard is there above Ripley's, about a half block from where they drop the big ball in Times Square. And the C.L. Bryant show pops up there on that big screen Every hour, 24 hours a day, and old CL's face is looking right back at you there in Times Square. Thank all of you for making our show as popular as it has become. And uh, I think it's the caliber of guest. In fact, I'm certain of that, that uh, bring you to the radio to hear us and help us build the bridge to conversation every day for two hours. And uh, again, thank you for that. Well, folks, we have war fighters. Uh, I am proud to say that I come from a family of them. My father, World War II, my dad, my grandfather, World War One, and my great-grandfather, Spanish-American War. I have a great affinity for uh, men and women who wear the uniform. They defend our country. But what happens when uh, those who defend us uh, try to defend themselves and they wind up in jail because of that? Such is the story with my next guest, Sergeant Derek Miller. You will recall that uh, Sergeant Miller uh, was defending himself against uh, a Taliban uh, fighter who tried to take his gun. He winds up in jail for eight years. Our good friend Louis Gomert has now placed him in a position that I think is just absolutely marvelous. He's been blessed that way. And I want him to tell us our story. So help uh, his story. So uh, help me welcome to the show for the very first time. Uh, and I'm sure it won't be the last Sergeant Derek Miller. Welcome to the C.L. Bryant show. How are you, man? 
I'm great, and really thank you for having me. Glad that you're on with me, and uh, let's just start with the story. Tell us first, uh, who is Derek Miller? Where is he from, uh, and and how did he wind up in the military and lead us up to uh, this point? I'll probably interject a little bit along the way, but I, we want to hear your story. Derek, talk to us. Sure, sure. Um, I'm a local kid. I'm from Maryland. I grew up in Frederick and Montgomery County, Maryland. I was raised by a single mom, and she worked two or three jobs and put herself through college to make a way for me so that I had a chance to be successful. And watching her work, observing her, and having a role model like that helped to shape the man that I am today. I don't quit. I won't give up. And, you know, I'll do anything to provide for my country and my family. Wow. You know, uh, just right there, just right there, folks. Derek, let me say this, man. I admire you even more at this point in time. And I also admire the uh, under-heralded single mom out there who has the backbone, the courage to take it on and turn out a citizen like this citizen that we're talking to today. Okay, Derek, uh, you go through high school uh, or how did you wind up in the military? Well, first, I graduated high school, and I had a desire to, you know, build things with my hands. I was always really good at, at just taking a project and, and finishing it, and I started working construction. I started my own, uh, you know, private company, and, and we built and finished uh, custom cabinetry and installed them, and uh, business was going well. And in 2006, I was uh, unfortunately laid off and I had a mortgage and two kids. And I'm looking at my wife and I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do uh, to provide for them. And we both came up with the you know, solution that, look, I love this country and I love to serve. And her family came from a long line of, of Marines and, and special operations soldiers. And marrying those two with me uh, being a soldier just made sense to our family. So I enlisted in 2006 and uh, joined the National Guard to deploy, and that is how I became a uh, infantry soldier. Wow, that is amazing! <clears throat> now you rise through the ranks to sergeant. Now you're a sergeant in our man's army, in our in our, in our United States Army, and um, an incident occurs. Uh, tell us what led up to uh, your encounter with this Taliban fighter who tries to take your gun and give us the the account of what happens from there that lands you in prison. Absolutely. And in 2010, I'm on my third deployment. We are about 11 months out of a 12 month deployment and we are, you know, geared up to go home. The Afghan army decides to go out on a mission without coalition forces, without U.S. forces to back them up and are ambushed by the Taliban. They give up their sensitive items, their weapons, their radios, their trucks to the Taliban and escape. Well, obviously that is unacceptable to the army and they tasked us with going back in and recovering those assets. The process of recovering those assets, uh, the mission was uh, ambushed was set up and the Taliban uh, killed a U.S. Uh, soldier. And then we had to replan this mission to kick this back off to make sure that, you know, we got these assets back and brought those guys in who were killing U.S. soldiers. So the next day we planned this mission 
and we were the support by fire unit. The mortar systems and uh, close air support would be coming from the local base, and we were tasked to, if they had to go offline, if they had, you know, sandstorm come in, drop mortars on the objective, and make sure that our soldiers had the close air support and the support by fire if they needed. The Blue Force Tracker, which is our, you know, GPS system overseas, sends information from our command to us. They informed us that a unit, a small unit of Taliban insurgents were going to be trying to infiltrate the valley to plus up those fighters who we were, you know, taking out of their houses and dragging them and, and kicking in doors. And less than 30 or 45 minutes later, a convoy of vehicles approached our traffic control point. These men had uh, military-style uniforms, chest rigs, AK-47s. They were uh, had changes of clothes, which in our experience being overseas, they typically use after they conduct an ambush. They change into civilian clothes and then blend into the civilian population. They also had a laptop computer, which is highly irregular for Afghanistan. Uh, they typically don't have running water. So to have a laptop computer, you have, you know, something of great value overseas. Wow. Uh, they had 55-gallon drums, which are typically used uh, for IEDs. And they had um, a large supply of uh, weapons and ammunition. Um, all those things led us to believe that these guys were bad. Uh, and they were the exact guys who were, were tasked to capture and prevent from getting into the fight. The senior NCO on the ground made the call that we couldn't hold these guys, we didn't have enough information, and that we were tasked to let these guys go. We had hands on every single member in that truck. So we had positive ID of who and where they were going. Wow. Less than 24 hours later, uh, go the ahead, Derek. Go ahead. driver of the lead vehicle, but the driver of the lead vehicle uh, approached our perimeter. We had moved in the, in the cover of night to a closer location that we have better range of fire for our motors. And the individual who was the driver of the lead uh, truck from the day before approached with two military-age males to the southern part of our uh, combat operation base. The two military-age males separated and went opposite directions, and the driver sat down with the Afghan Army soldiers who were with us and our interpreter and had chai tea and was asking questions about how long we were going to be there and what we we're doing in the area. A non-commissioned officer, one of our soldiers, approached him and said, look, this is a military operation. This guy can't be in our perimeter. He has to leave. The individual finished his tea and walked in the opposite direction of which he came from, through our perimeter. Yeah. Less than two hours later, he approached the northern part of our perimeter where I was with one of my gunners. We positively ID'd this guy as a driver of the truck from the day before. And the interpreter said, look, he's not a problem. We had tea earlier. Just let him go. I did initially let him go. And I got that gut feeling that just something wasn't right, that all the indicators were there that this guy was had bad intentions. So I asked one of my soldiers, my, my senior leader, if I could question this guy further. So I grabbed him. Um, he had walked, just walked into a nearby house. He'd probably been in there for about uh, 10 minutes and asked him to come out. And with the interpreter's help and one of my soldiers, we started asking questions about what he was doing in the area. Initially, he told me he was there to fix water pumps, which he had no tools to do. Secondly, he told me he was an electrician and that he was here to fix power lines, which he had no tools to do that job either. Wow. I asked him about where he lived. He pointed in the opposite direction of the house that I pulled him out of. And then finally, he told me he could not drive a truck as we ID'd him as a driver from the truck day, from the truck the day before. When we pat him down, he had vehicle keys in his pocket. So you mashed all this together with the fact that we're in a combat zone on a high-stakes mission and that we've had soldiers killed in this area previously. And that got a sense of urgency. 
I said, look, this guy is consistently lying to me. I have soldiers who are actively out in the field trying to defend themselves. So I pulled my pistol and I pointed at him. I said, look, you tell me where those troops that you brought in yesterday, where the weapon systems that you brought in yesterday, and where the attack is coming from. You tell me all these things or I'm going to kill you. And my intent was not to kill him. It was to scare the heck out of him. If I killed him, I didn't get the information that I needed to get to my soldiers. Right. And after the interpreter relayed that message to him, uh, the terrorist reached up and grabbed my gun. And I fired a single shot and I killed him. And folks, uh, we want to ensued. we want to take it from there because Derek, hold it right there. Put a pin right there, man, because we're going to come back to this. Uh, I'm wanting to bring all of you into remembrance of what happened here with our warfighter, who we do uh, give them the authority to wage war against our enemies, to defend us against our enemies. The question on in this first segment of the show is what happens when our warfighters are having to defend themselves against us uh, who put them in the situation to defend us against our enemies. His story is, uh, for me, it is absolutely riveting, folks, and we must get to uh, why we have him on. And, and the Justice for Warriors Caucus, JFWC, is something that has been formed uh, and with the help of our very good friend, Louis Gomert, uh, our friend from Texas, and has been on the show a couple of times. And Louis and I have done Glenn Beck venues uh, together. And um, he has now formed the Justice for Warriors Caucus caucus and leading it heading it up is sergeant Derek miller his story is one that is absolutely riveting in this segment Derek, i i have about um five minutes left but i want to keep you through the break and bring you back on the other side but okay he goes for your gun he, met, he, he he fails he gets himself shot because you shot him he dies what happens next Next, uh, I was placed under investigation. I was taken from my unit and on that mission, and less than 20 or 30 minutes later, our unit was attacked. A complex ambush ensued, and RPGs and mortars landed directly where our command vehicle was, where our tow missile system was set up, where our casualty collection point was set up, and soldiers in my unit have testified that had we not gone to that elevated threat level because of my actions toward that, towards that Taliban individual, they would have still been sitting in those same spots where those, where those rockets landed and where the machine gun fire came in. Uh, it was really hard for me um, at that point, not knowing what was going to happen to my family. Uh, you know, I'm a single income, you know, breadwinner for my family. And my wife now doesn't know what's going to happen to her husband. My kids don't know what's going to happen to their dad. And then the prosecution that took place, I've been looking back and looking at some of the other cases this is a pattern. It's not an isolated incident where in my case, they didn't do any forensic evidence on the individual that I shot. They didn't take one fingerprint, not a picture of the body. So for my defense team to come up with, look, this guy's fingerprints are on Sergeant Miller's weapon. You can't make that argument when you have no fingerprints to compare it to. Wow. When you call the expert to say, look, this is the entry wound and exit wound, which are consistent with this man leaning forward or moving in, a, in, a, in an aggressive posture, you can't do that with no pictures or no examination of the body of itself. So in my case, 
there are some serious hangups with what the government has done with the evidence. They released the bodies back to the villagers so that they could bury it before they even did any forensics. But they hold soldiers to a different standard and allow prosecution and the prosecutors to have a lower standard because they're in a combat zone. Now, so, this was multiple times. Now, this was during the Obama era. Is that right? Yes, sir. Now, we're not going to. Absolutely. This is. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. And, and this, these rules of engagement, when you see all these changes take place during the uh, big events, the status of the forces agreement between, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan, you see a lot of these, you know, cases held and, and a lot of soldiers being held to this standard of um, vilification, essentially, before they even have their day in court. Uh, there are payments made to these families before they even verify who they are or who they're related to assuming guilt before they even do an investigation for these soldiers. Friends, this is not right. We're going to examine it, and I'm going to get from uh, Derek um, Miller the uh, idea and his opinion on the political correct posture that, of course, existed during the Obama era and still does raise its ugly head during this era. I want to ask him, when we come back from the break, did that have does that did that figure into the way our military handle our war fighters? Because if, in fact, uh, political correctness is infiltrating uh, the ranks of our uh, military commanders, then surely. And, and of course, I know it has. But we have to talk about this. Then we have a problem. We have a problem. And what happened to Derek Miller? What happened to Sergeant Derek Miller? Friends, we cannot allow this to continue to be the culture in our military where our war fighters don't have due process. <clears throat> Pardon me. When they are accused of something like Sergeant Miller was accused of. How could you defend yourself against a ghost? They had erased everything. They, in fact, they never took any evidence that would rightfully, in, in, in a due process uh, uh, continuum, there's no way that this soldier could have defended himself. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the function of the um, JFWC and uh, why it is in existence, and I think you're getting a good idea of why it is in existence, because it's necessary. We're going to return after this short break with Sergeant Derek Miller, spent eight years in prison behind the very story that you're hearing today. I'm C.L. This is the C.L. Bryant Show. If you don't get both hours of the show, download free the C.L. Bryant Show app Onto your favorite device. And of course, we're here daily at 12.05 until 2 in the East every day. Be right back. Don't go anywhere.
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL back with you on this great day in the USA, in the USA, the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known. But hey, we make mistakes sometimes within the individual bureaucracies and bureaus that we have in this nation. And friends, uh, hearing and knowing about the story of Derek Miller, Sergeant Derek Miller, uh, is a prime example of something that uh, does the things that do go wrong. And there has been an organization now founded that is geared toward fixing the broken military justice system. And you're hearing a prime story of why. It should be fixed. Derek Miller is on with me now. Uh, Derek, Sergeant, tell us this. Tell us uh, how did they come again? I want you to refresh the minds of our audience. So how did they come again to charging you with murder and then you spending eight years in Leavenworth? Uh, it was this reeks of political correctness in our military. Give us your take on it. To me, it reeks of political correctness, and it has happened over and over and over again. If you think about, in the backdrop, a single soldier's value, a single infantry soldier's value versus a positive relationship with a foreign government, the soldier is completely expendable if you look at it in that, in that light. And to the detriment of that soldier and to their family and to all the men and women who volunteer to go overseas and fight for the Constitution and protect these foreign countries – but the, the fact is that using political correctness and using that, that light, seeing that individual versus a favorable relationship with a foreign country, you know, it, it just you see it over and over again, and soldiers are cast away. Whether we're sent to die in some foreign land or sent to die in a prison cell, it doesn't matter. Well, tell we're cast us, away. Tell, and, us, tell us then about the... Um, J, um, yeah, the JFWC. What is it, and why does it exist now? So the so the Justice for Warriors Caucus was founded by Congressman Duncan Hunter and Congressman Louis Gomert, and they got together and said, "Look, there are too many of these cases where soldiers' rights are being violated, where you see this evidence not being disclosed, where you see prosecutorial misconduct." where the jury selection by the commander who has already recommended that you be put under investigation and signed off on your house being raided on post, uh, now gets to handpick the jury that there are too many hangups in this system that soldiers are not getting fair and appropriate trials. And the Justice for Warriors Caucus was founded to look into these cases, to make appropriate recommendations for sentence reductions or pardons uh, to the president, 
and also to come up with constructive changes to the UCMJ to make a better system so that soldiers' rights are protected when they're on the courtroom or on the battlefield. Whether they're in the courtroom or on the battlefield, let me uh, ask you this about um, how a soldier's life has changed, or at least the way you see it, from the time of the Obama administration up until the present time under uh, our commander in chief now, uh, Donald John Trump, President Donald John Trump. Is there uh, a culture change that has taken place in our military? Uh, let's see it from let's hear it from your point of view. In my perspective, there's been a huge culture change. I mean, the, the handcuffs have been taken off of the commanders to be able to make the calls that are necessary to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. And in previous administrations, they have had a more laid back approach. They have, you know, essentially allowed the app to dictate what goes on out there. And to me, and to some of these soldiers who are out there, being able to identify, close with and destroy the enemy are the reason why we're deployed. And if we're not doing that, then why are we there? Yeah. Why are we there if we're not there to do the job they were trained to do? Let's then circle back around to the job you were trained to do that you wound up uh, spending eight years in prison. Uh, help us see this. Like, uh, you, you told us about your worry for your family, your wife, your children. And naturally, uh, you would be worried that way when you know what you're going to be facing here if, in fact, they find you guilty, which they did. What goes through a soldier's mind? There has to be incredible conflicts. It's almost paradoxical what's going on to you, man. Try to explain to us or describe to us that. that I don't know if you call it emotion or, or, or mindset, whatever it is. Talk to us about uh, when this, how you felt. Uh, did it change your attitude towards your country? I mean, talk to us about that or towards your mission, your job. Talk to us about how it affected you. Sure. And to me, it never changed my mindset. I've always loved this country, and I will always love this country. It's the people who are in it, who I would live or die for, uh, that makes this country so great. And my mindset never changed. My, my faith in God never changed. But my hope, when you have the full force of the U.S. government turned against you, your life is turned upside down, everything is scrutinized about what you ate for breakfast that day and how you carried your weapon that afternoon when you went into a combat zone with the lawful intent to kill given to you by the government, the training that you've gone into and just the entire core of you is shaken that now your life is turned upside down. Your, your wife and your kids won't have health care. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. You don't know how you're going to pay your mortgage. So all those worries balled up into one moment where the judge slams that gavel down and they say guilty. On top of that, I was sentenced to life in prison for premeditated murder. To know that I'm never going to hold my girls again, I can't take them to that daddy-daughter dance, you know, I can't walk them down the aisle, that shattered me to my core. I had no clue when I was ever going to see my girls again or when I was ever going to be able to hold my wife again outside of a brown prison uniform and Constantina wire that wraps around the prison that I was confined in. So that was my mindset. Um, but I never, ever stopped loving this country. I just questioned 
how could a court martial take place where evidence is not disclosed and willfully destroyed, given back to the local nationals, and you call this a fair trial? That was my main concern. Wow. And when I found that this was happening to more and more soldiers, I did not want to stop fighting this. Wow. That is riveting um, because, folks, he, he, he was able to make you feel that. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, uh, any one of you in, in the next five minutes who have the full weight of the United States government standing on your neck, that is is a hopeless and hapless feeling. It certainly can be. His faith sustained him. His faith in God sustained him, as it has all of us who are believers. But let me let me let me say this to you, folks. When you are in this situation where you're thinking that your family is going to suffer, not really concerned about himself, he's thinking about his family. That was the anxiety. His wife, his children, his mortgage, the things that matter. The things that could go away that he's not going to be able to defend his family against that weighs very heavily. Um, about 10 minutes left in this segment. I want to you to talk to us then about Leavenworth. You spent eight years, man, behind bars. I don't know if you had a chance to talk to the, talk about this before, but uh, one of the things that I have done over the years, I've, I've been a pastor uh, for nearly 40 years, over nearly 40 years, and I, I have talked to many, many people, and many times our war fighters in particular, they don't get a chance to vent it. They don't get a chance to talk about it in a way that heals it. Tell us about Leavenworth and share with us uh, what... Uh, all of that was about, do you have to adjust your entire psyche to deal with what you were trying to deal with? Talk to us. You do. You have to really adjust the way you think about life in general. Uh, as far as being a father and a husband while you're confined, while, while you're in that place, you, everything's over the phone. Uh, or, or they have to come down for visitation. So it's very regimented. It's very controlled. So trying to, you know, be that father, be that fixture, it takes a different mold. There are people obviously there who did terrible things, and we are all lumped into uh, one group. So we're all associated with each other. They don't call, you know, hey, Derek or, or Sergeant Miller, you know, they say, hey, inmates. And to have that weight of so many other people's crimes weighing on you every day, every step you take, from when you wake up in the morning and they pot your doors and you come out and you, and you go to get coffee and watch TV in the moment when they close and they slam that big metal door behind you and you know that you can't walk out and just call your, call your mom or, or call your wife or see how your kids are doing. Uh, that atmosphere weighs on you a little bit every single day. And as you put on that, that, that brown uniform and you have that number attached to your chest, it is hard to still feel like you're a person. I still feel like, you know, look, when I left home in 2010 to go on this deployment to fight for the country, look, I, I didn't go to rob a Walmart. I, I didn't take some old lady's purse. What I did was I did my best in a combat situation to close with and kill the enemy, just like I was trained to. And now I am associated with rapists and child molesters and people who, you know, did horrible, horrible things to innocent people. And... 
Wow. It hurts. And frankly, it hurts. Wow. Wow. And folks, listen, I want you to see this. This is our son. This is our daughter. This is our warfighter. American. American son he is. We sent him to jail. The military sent him to jail because he killed one of our enemies who tried to take his weapon. Do, do any of you see anything wrong with, with that picture? Uh, I mean, th- there is something wrong with that picture. I don't care how you cut the cake, especially when we're talking about one of our own, one of our children, one of our men, one of our sons and daughters, one of ours. How is it that our military turned on this family and failed them like this? Can we allow this to continue? Can we allow this to go on as it is, or are we going to make changes? Well, he's about making changes, and our good friend Louis Gohmert is uh, uh, leading the charge on that as well, and uh, Representative Duncan Hunter are all in on leading the charge in fixing something that is broken, a system that is broken. We're on with Sergeant Derek Miller. And Derek, I I certainly uh, commend you on the service that you gave to our nation and the, the service that you're going to give still in bringing justice to those who in some so many cases, too many cases have been denied it. Now, let's uh, in this segment have about five minutes left, uh, Derek. But uh, if we could just talk about this for a moment now, what do you uh, see? How do you see that Derek Miller story 30 years from now, 40 years from now, when you're uh, deciding to hang up your spurs, sit on the porch with your wife, uh, the two of you have the lines of age across your brows and the kids are all married and grown, bringing your grandkids legacy. Talk to us about legacy. What do you want America, the world to have said about your contributions about Derek Miller, Sergeant Derek Miller, what what do you want your legacy to be? Well, I hope people look back and can say that on a small level that I never gave up on this country and that I always fought for the person who didn't have a voice, that I always tried to be the best man and the best role model for my daughters that I could be. And if even one person says that, then I'll feel good about what I've done. Well, uh, let me be the one to say it, man, because uh, you have given very much. You've sacrificed greatly uh, for our nation. I have uh, a couple of other questions for you, and I want you to stay with me uh, through the break for a few minutes, and uh, and then we'll we'll end uh, the conversation. But in our country today, Derek, we can start the conversation now. Have about uh, three minutes left. We can start it. There are young people who need opportunities. Would you say that the military is the opportunity for a young high school grad who uh, is looking to make something different of his life or her life? Uh, What advice would you give to him as far as a military career? I would say that, honestly, 
I still love the military, despite what they've done to me, what's happened to me under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. I still support soldiers in general and the military within itself. Uh, I would say it's a great path to changing your life and changing the trajectory of, of your family's life. Uh, they between the educational opportunities, between the, the, the bonuses, and the experience that you're going to get in, in your military occupational specialty. All those things coupled together are, are, are an amazing opportunity for any you know, man or woman, any child or, or, or young person considering joining the military. But this system, the court system in and of itself in the military, needs to be fixed so that your son or daughter, so that your child is not cast away as a pawn to some other government that, that they have their rights when they go into that courtroom if something ever happened that they have the protection that they deserve and they fought for under the constitution is the taliban um something that we misunderstand uh, and and we, we may not have time in this two minutes that we have to get into that but that's what i want to ask you about because you have you know you, you've breathed in their face you you know who they are you've uh, you know them you've studied them uh, because they are the enemy and when we come back uh, on the other side of the break we want to get the insight from sergeant um, miller Derek miller as to who they are who is the Taliban? I mean, I know that uh, if, if you listen to a progressive liberal uh, media news, you may not have an accurate depiction of who they are. And uh, many times, even on so-called uh, more conservative radio or television like Fox, or you may not get a clear picture of who the Taliban is. But we have on with us today... Sergeant Derek Miller, who was given the commission to fight the enemy. He did. By uh, the, the progress and the circumstances of that situation that led this enemy to try and take the weapon of an American soldier and for his trouble, gets himself shot to death by that American soldier. What happens, friends? The American soldier goes to jail. Leavenworth, Fort Leavenworth, goes to jail for eight years for what I have just described to you. <laughs> Is that justice? For our men, for our women, for our soldier? I don't think so. I don't think you think so either. I just can't believe that you would think that. We're going to get his perspective on who that enemy is, who the Taliban is, when we come back after these brief words with more of the C.L. Bryant Show. We'll return with Sergeant Derek Miller, and we're going to get his take on who the Taliban is. I'm CL. Don't go anywhere. You thought I was worth saving, so you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping, so you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for. 
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. CL by you, that is D Rock's latest release. I am an American, and I was um, blessed to lend my voice to the opening of that uh, new award-winning or hit, hit hit song that he has. I don't think it's won an award yet, but it's a hit song that he has. I am an American. And uh, we have one of our own uh, Native Sons on with us right now. He is an American, has defended our nation, wearing the uniform of our nation uh, honorably. Yes. And uh, he, for his uh, service, something uh, misguided. Yeah, folks, something very misguided happened here and it happened because of uh, him defending himself against a Taliban fighter and we're going to get the uh, the the view of who the Taliban is from someone who can give us firsthand who they are Derek Miller Sergeant Derek Miller talk to us about that enemy the Taliban what do we misunderstand about them do we understand it all as Joe citizens out here talk to us I think as the average citizen understands what the Taliban is what they've seen on newsreels it's a different element than what we see on the battlefield they truly hate us to our core and their ideology is to destroy us as many of us as it takes to win this conflict. Uh, they will do whatever is necessary to win, whether it is a suicide bomb at a school, cutting off the heads of uh, contractors that we send over there to help their country, or put a bullet in every single U.S. soldier that they can possibly get close, close enough to. So looking at combat and that prism, seeing that they understand our tactics and rules of engagement, that if... I fire at these soldiers or this base and then put on civilian clothes and blend back in, they can't possibly prosecute me. They have gotten so smart that they understand that when we take their biometrics, their fingerprints, and try to place it on other IEDs or do uh, gunpowder residue checks to, to see if these guys were firing weapons or were handling explosives, they're trying to cover their hands with, with good dust and sand. They understand what we're doing. And when you have an enemy that is determined to destroy you, will go to any length to do so, and has no moral compass that an American, an average American citizen can understand, uh, that is a dangerous, dangerous environment to be sending U.S. soldiers into with one hand tied behind their back when they're scared that the U.S. government will turn their full force against you and potentially put you in prison for the rest of your life. Friends, we cannot have our warfighters afraid that when they're sent to fight our wars against our enemies, that their own government 
is going to punish them for doing so because of the politically correct atmosphere that exists in this country. You cannot have it both ways. Either either you uh, want our men and women in uniform, our soldiers, our war fighters to fight on our behalf to maintain our republic, or you're going to have to send a different message here because they are trained to do what we send them into battle to do. And every country has war fighters. And you better believe that every country believe that we are the envy of the world. And you better believe we're the most exceptional nation on earth. So we have war fighters to defend our way of life. That's what he was all about. He points out to you that the Taliban is not some Hollywood creation. They hate you. They will kill you. And they, I have a feeling that this Taliban uh, fighter who went for Sergeant Derek Miller's gun was going to kill him. He gets killed. The Taliban fighter gets killed by one of our own, by one of our war fighters. And he gets sentenced to eight years in prison for doing his job. Derek, uh, I want to thank you for doing your job. I know that you're going to do a, a fantastic job. Tell us how we can help you. Tell us how we can engage or in influence uh, anything that might be positive or helpful to your new position there with the JFWC, the Justice for Warriors Caucus. Talk to us. You can... Follow us on, on Facebook and, and, and track what we're doing. You can please, please, please write your local representatives and ask them to join the Justice Warrior Caucus to fight for these constitutional rights that these soldiers are having violated, to stop these practices, these predatory prosecutions that the the government, that the Army is, is doing to these soldiers. And just please follow us and, and keep active and pressuring and pushing for justice for all warriors. Continue to fight the good fight, Sergeant Miller, Sergeant Derek Miller, uh, now uh, uh, being uh, the spearhead on JFWC, the Justice for Warriors Caucus. Let us help him by letting your congressman know that you are supporting JFWC. And that you are absolutely appalled at the story that uh, has come out of this incident that put this fighter in jail for eight years. Derek, God bless you and God keep you. Continue to fight the good fight. I know that you will because you are. And again, thank you for being on with me. We'll have you back real soon. God bless you, man. You too. Thank you. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant show. That was Sergeant Derek Miller, one of our own, one of our native sons who was on the battlefield and he was doing his job. And his job led him to take out one of our enemies. And he gets eight years, eight years in Leavenworth prison for doing his job on 
your behalf. Did I did I did I say did I mention that he's doing his job on your and my behalf. And the people we have placed in positions of authority in our military somehow think it is and was proper to send him to jail for doing his job. That's not the mindset that keeps a nation safe. And, and, and friends, uh, one of the things that we have to understand is this, too. Look, we have people who are uh, subject to human frailty and peer pressure. <laughs> it, one seems so weightier than the other, but it's not. Human frailty is aided and abetted by uh, folks you think you don't want criticism from. Are, are you hearing me? That That is what causes so many bad decisions. And, and we continue to reward them for making bad decisions by keeping them where they are instead of them making them correct this or leave. We keep rewarding. And those bad decisions are leading to atrocities. This, this, is, this was atrocious. What happened to Sergeant Derek Miller, his family, his wife, his children, his girls. I have four daughters and son. Man, listen, if I go down, if I had gone down at his age with something like that, let me tell you something, man, uh, that people listen, that is absolutely atrocious what happened to him. And it's happening It's not as though this is an isolated incident. This is happening to our men and women in uniform as we speak on foreign soil. And you heard him uh, talk about uh, how the command force of our military at that point in time could very well have been under the direction of a, a foreign military officer. Unacceptable, folks. I have every confidence that uh, this president, Donald John Trump, will correct and has corrected that in so many ways. Uh, Derek said himself that uh, it, it's a, a huge difference in the way the culture is in the military now under this president, as opposed to the way it was under Barack Hussein Obama. And don't forget, as we wrap up this uh, segment of the show, don't forget that he told us in no uncertain terms that the Taliban is not some Hollywood creation. This 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 is not some television uh, <laughs> episode here. These are people who hate you and would kill you and certainly would put as many bullets in our men and women, our sons, our daughters, nieces, nephews, Johnny across the street or, or next door. They put bullets in them without hesitation. 
and we send one of our own who is there to defend our way of life, we put him in jail when he tries to defend not only his own life, but the people in his unit. So, obviously, we have a lot to think about. We have a lot to talk about, don't we? Coming up in the uh, next hour, of course, the witch hunt is still going on with um, the president. But (laughs) I hope the Dems keep doing what they're doing. You know why? Because they are being exposed for being the idiots, the lunatics that they are. I can't determine. I cannot imagine what makes them think that this type of tactic it's, it's, it's all helpful. It, it's like they're in the village of the damned. I mean, it's amazing what 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 their mindset is like, what their attitude is like. It, it's you can see the bubble that they live in. You can actually see it. And ninety five percent of us Americans don't live in that kind of bubble. Period. Oh, we all have our own little bubbles, you know, and so forth in our own little worlds. But, you know, ours is real enough where we can reach out and touch the other bubbles and the other worlds that exist out there. These folks are in a an an insulation type uh, isolation type situation that they have lost touch with you and me. They think that the world they live in is real. And if you live in Adam Schiff's world, his world is a world where th- this guy is through the looking glass. <laughs> in fact, he's as mad as a hatter himself. The, the guy is absolutely off the chain. We're going to talk a lot about uh, these attitudes and how uh, they have indeed affected our young people and are affecting the rest of our society. When we return with more of the C.L. Bryant show, you better believe there's a design there. We'll talk about it. 